Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Shitlucks Podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. Welcome to today's SL Man podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week I'm joined by Stephen Gillen. Stephen grew up in 1970s Belfast amid violence, unrest and trauma. When his surrogate mother died of cancer, he was sent back to England and after a succession of children's homes and having to survive London in his early teens, he was groomed into a life of crime, going to a detention centre for the first time aged 14. In his early 20s, he received a 17-year sentence, eventually serving 12 as one of the UK's most dangerous offenders. Having hit rock bottom, he decided to change his mindset to better manage his behavioural problems, anger and violence issues. Today, Stephen is the author of two books and the co-founder of multi-award winning international media branding and TV company Raw Media Creative Studios. And he joins me here to talk about how he managed to turn his life around, become a self-development expert and how his story can be a source of inspiration for others. Welcome, Stephen. Hi, Charlotte. It's really good to be here with you. A lot to unpack. As we said before, before we started recording, you said it's kind of, it's act one, it's act two. So naturally, we're going to start with act one. Can you give us a kind of potted history about your early years? Yeah, I, I was I was born here, Charlotte, taken to Belfast as a six-month-year-old uh, baby, of course. So my family come from there, so um, I was left there in all intents and purposes. My mother come over here to... Uh, make a better life for us, uh, you know, as she said. Um, and uh, I was left there with aunts and uncles. Of course, it was in uh, in the middle of the war over there, so I was I was right in the middle of it. Shootouts at night uh, from the flats all night. Uh, you know, soldiers turning out, bombs going off. It was a regular occurrence in them days. I mean, I was I was young. You know, to me, I didn't uh, I didn't see any any anything different about that. It's all that I knew. But my my surrogate mother died uh, from from cancer when I was there, age nine. So I was the little child with the case on the on the boat coming coming back to England, which was an alien land for me, mm. you know. And that was that chapter. But you know, I went from there on a succession of um, children's homes, foster homes. Some of them quite brutal, you know. I mean, I try and protect the younger ones in there, not sexual abuse, but physical stuff right you know they'd uh you know they'd bash us up and all that stuff in there it's they'd uh lock me in this boiler room and all this stuff overnight i mean horrendous stuff really for a child mm. looking back so you know we used to run away and we'd go back to london and we'd kind of get involved in stuff and they'd bring us back and you know all this stuff so that was the start of kind of petty crime but then I was very much groomed in a way I suppose into you know into that life I I didn't have a have a family as such so you know I was susceptible to to one in a family to wanting to belong and you know I had to I had to survive mm. and but you know it got very dark very quick uh, you know I was involved in the gang stuff and mm-hmm. 15, 16, I was already having uh, firearms, all this stuff around me. So, I, you know, I kind of rose up very quick with that. Mm. 
because I was carrying a lot, I realised, and I was very, very angry, and I had a, a big trauma behind me since since I'd known. Mm. So, you know, I was, I, I was a crazy kid, really. It would mm. be more crazy than even the crazy people. Mm. But that was, that was kind of a um, survival mechanism for me, really, mm. right? You know, I went forward in that from uh, petty crime to the gang stuff to organised crime very, very quickly. How... You know, we, we know what gang culture looks like today in London. What was it like back then? Was it the turf war thing we hear about now? Was it knife crime in the same way? Can you paint a picture of kind of what that looked like? It's, it's kind of the same as it is now, Charlotte. I mean, even now, you know, we do a lot to try and help a lot of the, a lot of the younger ones in the inner cities because they're even scared if they cross certain postcodes, you know, mm. or they have to uh, pass by certain estates because there's certain groups of mm-hmm. kids there or gangs or mm. certain people they don't get on with. You know, it, it can get very nasty and very very bad mm. right you know uh very very quickly you know some of these kids are only trying to get to college and they're trying to get to work or they're trying to go over and see a family member somewhere mm. else we've even intervened you know you know with some other friends of mine who are doing uh, a lot of work in in the community to say to them look you know these 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 kids are with us leave them alone you know they're not interested in what you do or mm. you know what you're up to you know they're no threat to you just let them, mm. just let them do what they're doing, right? You know, because we would know like the younger ones and who they look up to and who they look up mm-hmm. to and who they look up to, you know. So it kind of it has it has an influence of keeping things okay, mm-hmm. right? And but it was very much like that. Okay, and then that evolved, that mm. evolved outside of gang culture into, you know, there's, I think when people think of gangster, that I mean that's the word that you use when it comes to describing the past. You have a kind of Hollywood version of that in our heads right because for so many people that's the only version of that we've seen can you I suppose without being too gruesome describe what what that meant what that looked like as well I can't I mean I've got to dispel this Hollywood Mm. glitzy thing at the start Charlotte right because there's nothing glitzy about it so there's anything you may collect and anything that looks shiny and attractive the big cars the this the that or whatever that you see at the bottom, by the time you get there, you're very, you're very damaged anyway. You're mm. always looking over your shoulder. You're on borrowed time, mm. really. I, you know, I mean, I had, friend, I had friends I grew up with, you know, for 25 years they knew me, you know, and then they set me up to get me killed, right? You know, so if you think that's glamorous, you know, and I'm not even saying in a way that we didn't have that history between us or we didn't go through so much together. It's just the nature of that life is if circumstances turn against you in a certain way and it's a pragmatic decision mm. where, well, you know, this guy has to go or whatever it has to be, then it's going to be that. It's mm. just it's just, it's just, just as easy as that, right? You know, and then you've, you know, I mean, I was involved in... At the end, you know, before, you know, I went to prison and all this stuff, you know, for a long time, I was involved in a lot of, you know, it was a lot of the heavy stuff, like the armed robberies and, you know, uh, vans, all this kind of stuff. Because it was just the kind of migration that I had and the way I was groomed and the people around me and some of my family members, they was kind of very senior villains of the day. So they was, you know, this is what we do. This mm. is this is this is, this is the way the world works. You know, or in a really crazy way, this is what you aspire to, mm. right? And you, it was like that. You use the word villain. Do you? And 
kind of in all those various stages of crime were you personally kind of aware of the rights and wrongs of it do you think generally those who get involved with it are or are you so deep in it that you don't see it like that Look, you absolutely know what you're doing. It's called, it's called the underworld, if you want to call it that, Charlotte, for a reason. I don't like all these silly names, by the way, gangster or underworld or any of this, right? It doesn't It doesn't paint the reality of what it's like to be mm. locked mm. into uh, the darkness of a life like that. It just doesn't, right? It's just words, right? Um, the people we're around and the experiences we have and what we do and what we think, of course, they forge us, Right. So it's the same in that life, right? So it's a microcosm, really, you know, and you are like an outlaw. Mm. So within, you know, within that, you know, because of the secrecy of, of, of the life that you're living and the codes of conduct and all the rest of it, they're very small kind of circles, really, right? Compared to the, you know, the wider mm. world, they really are. But they get smaller and smaller and smaller, kind of the higher and more mm. serious you go with this stuff. You said something before about knowing your or, or the fact that you're on borrowed time when you're in organised crime. Do you do you remember being aware of that? Is it sort of only a matter of time until one gets caught, or are there kind of, you know, are you looking up to people, aspiring to be like people who never get caught when you're in, in that deep? It's a it's a funny paradox, Charlotte, because the mindset, you know, as human beings, what we do is we, you know, we need to make ourselves feel feel better about things, right? So, of course, you think it's never going to be you. You're never going to be caught. You're never going to be the one. And, you know, all of this stuff, right, we, we, which is not right. You know, I mean, you know, I used, to, uh, I used to always say even back then, look, the biggest firm here is a metropolitan police. You know, don't mm-hmm. worry about that, right? You know, uh, we need to be lucky all the time. Mm-hmm. We only need to be lucky once. You know, if you want to get into the numbers of it, the numbers game of it, that's basically what it is, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, and then what you've got, it, living that life as an outlaw is... You know, you've got, you know, them sophisticated operations that we had had on us at the end, all the bugging and the this and the that and the, you know, the to and fro of it all, you know, and they'd come on you and, you know, and come off you because it's all about money, you know, to put a full team on someone is a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, and they need to, they need to say why they're doing that and what results they're getting. Mm-hmm. So they can't stone you forever. But they'd come on you and off you and on you and off you. So it's like this game. Mm. And you'd know, you'd know you when, when, because you'd feel it as a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have them instincts. But strange stuff would be happening around you all the time. Okay. So you'd, you'd say, well, that's not right. You know what I mean? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, so it felt like cat and mouse even at the time. Yeah, you know, and this is the feeling of being on borrowed uh, mm. time. Um, you know, and there's two ways to look at that, right? You know, and it's worth saying, Charlotte, for people out there who may think that this is this is a vocation that's worth choosing, right? Or something <laughs> that, like that, mm. right? Is, you know, you've got the police law enforcement part of it, of course, but the other part of it, which is even darker, is, is, is the firms you're falling out with mm. or the stuff happens. I bet. You know, sometimes it's not even directly involved in you. It's mm. just by association. People that you're around, that's enough. Yeah. Believe you me. Because you're going to take so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and then you're a real threat around them, then you've got to go too. Yeah, you're messing with the wrong but people. This is, you know, the way it is, mm. right? So, you know, you're dealing with this... This element, and that's very much who catches who first. Got it. That's not a nice way to live. No. Um, I'm sure it's just not. You yeah, know? that makes total sense. What what got you in the end? How did they get you? It's it's that you know it's that thing. I mean, we was we was very active in them days. I, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not the excuses guy. I'm not going to say that I didn't know any better, but in a way, you know, I'd been groomed for that and I'd positioned myself for that. Mm. And I, I was locked within that life. Mm. You know, you're very banned in it. So you don't feel you can get out of it in many ways. Right. So, you know, I went, you know, I went to prison a few times, but, but um, in the end I had three uh, trials at the Old Bailey. The first one I beat was armed robbery uh, trial. The second one I beat was an armed robbery trial. I got uh, guilty on the firearm. But the third one I got 17 years. So, you know, uh, category A mm. as well. You know, it's just high security prison. I was released as a, as a, as a category A as well, which is very rare, all right, but it mm. has to be said. So that was, that was the journey Can that you explain that, journey, that bit to me? What does that mean, released as a category A? Well, a category A, I mean, it's they have different security categories. Mm. So really, if you're a category A, it's the very top, mm. right? You know, it's the red A. Everywhere you go, there's a, a book. You're observed all the time, right? You can only go to certain prisons, right? right? You know, all of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, it's, uh, mm. you should take me to court with uh, guns and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, at that time. But what they do is, in a sentence, is you're meant to come down a category. Mm. So you're meant to go A, B, C, D, being being uh, open prison, mm-hmm. right? So it's that rehabilitation, you know, the migration of the rehabilitation. I, you know, I didn't get that. Mm. I was just let out. Twelve years I'd done of wow. that, exactly how I was before, which um is worth mentioning. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that's crazy. So after twelve years, you were basically ejected out into the world, having not had any. Kind of yeah, you know, and I mean the thing—the thing that was really, really bad about that, Charlotte, as mm. well. And um, look, you know, we have to be accountable for our actions, you know, and so should we be. But this is another, you know, and the judgment thing—it's actually not about that, you know, no matter what you do, because you know, when we judge, that's the brick wall. I'm not listening. I can't get over that. It's not higher mind stuff, mm. and we can do so much better, right? It's about if there's, a, you know, how do we fix something? What's the, what did we do wrong there? Mm-hmm. What can we do better tomorrow that mm-hmm. we weren't so good at today? Mm. You know, it's about asking the right questions, mm-hmm. right? But. You know, then I, I, you know, I mean, when they when they released me that day, they put a full team of surveillance observation on me from the gate, which is madness, mm. because you know you're 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 um, institutionalised anyway after a sentence like that. You know, I'd done about five years solitary solitary confinement. If you think of that, I mean, this is very yeah. deep stuff, right? You know, for a, you know a long long time. So that shows you again the kind of um, you know, the kind of example that they was giving really, which mm-hmm. was no example, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that was uh, that was my reintegration into society, mm-hmm. which is very tough after that anyway, of course. I'm sure. I want to hear more about that, but back, going back a few steps, how old were you when you went into for that 12-year stint? 22. So you're a young guy, right? Yeah. What do you remember at all how that felt? Look, you know, it was, it's kind of crazy because even for me, Charlotte, at them ages, I was so kind of advanced. Mm. I'd be working with the 40-year-olds and the Mm 50-year-olds. You know, there were certain kind of mavericks who would be working with certain kind of guys, even at that age, Mm -hmm. right? I was one of them, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I'd always been with the older ones in a sense, right? Um, So... I can remember standing in the old Bailey and we fought that trial and the, the you know, the Bailey when they come in, but it was absolutely packed, right, for the for the 
you know, for the verdict. And, you know, they found a skill where they give out the verdict and all that stuff. You know, it was the same judge uh, that done the dome robbers uh, after. I remember that Millennium Dome, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and I knew them very well as well, of course, in prison. But, but, you know, and he's given out all the sentences and it was a surreal moment, really, because it was just the craziest thing. But I always knew in my head I was going to get it. How crazy that is. Mm. You know, so we uh, we went downstairs. My my co-defendant was from was from Bermondsey, just over, you yeah, know, the thing where I was. Mm-hmm. I was I was East London, you know, Bethnal Green. So, you know, and we went down and, like, you know, I shook his hand. I said, well, that's it then. And it was, but, of course, that was the start of, you know, mm. a lot of desperate stuff, a, lot of, a lot of traumatic, a lot of dark, a lot, a lot of painful stuff, you know. So... I mean, it's impossible to summarise 12 years, I'm sure. But can you just give us a flavour? Again, you know, there's a there's a TV and film version of prison. What was it really like? I mean, you talked about five years in solitary confinement. Was that at the beginning of your sentence? Uh, kind of. I yeah. mean, I had about uh, two and a half years stint in one bit. And then yeah. there was other kind of bits, right? Yeah. Six month, four month, mm. nine month, like together, sure. if you put it like that, right? But I did have nearly three years and one hit down there, right? Wow. You know, so I knew what it was about. Mm. Don't worry about that. Mm. But it's it's kind of um, look, it's very very desperate, you know. And there's different kind of categories of prisoners, you know. That's what I'm saying. It's a different experience to being in an open prison. It's like a holiday camp, mm-hmm. really, really a home away from home to the places that I was in, yeah. which is you know I was in units, special units. Uh, category A, it's a whole different way. It's all based on security. Mm. So you know you're you're with the most notorious people, but you're with people there who's never going to get out. Mm. So there's a different different energy in the air, right? Mm. You know, it's a very very dangerous place. I mean, you know, I see people murdered in front of me and everything in there, Charlotte. Right? You know, that's the that's the reality mm. of prison, right? And this life, yeah. And it's you know it's a very torturous place to be. You know, and you're talking mental, emotional, mm. spiritual, physical. So I'm sure. that 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 that's what it's about. We see versions of prison that have libraries, access to television. You know, some some elements of both comforts and rehabilitation. Was anything like that on access to you, or are we talking bare minimum, gritty, blank walls all day every day? <laughs> It was a lot of the Spartan stuff, to mm. be honest with you. Like for me, pretty much. I mean, there was a couple of times um, where where I was in units when they put you in the SSUs, special security units or special units. It was it was crazy because you'd be fighting with them all the time, and then when they knew that they couldn't really break you or it was just you know it worked better for them, then they put you in these units and they give you everything. You know, say oh you know call us by your first name and right. you know, but by then you were so entrenched. Yeah. And they tortured you so much, you know, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get out of your own way with this stuff. Really, it's just, it's just a really, but you know, they let you cook your own kind of food and wow. stuff like that in there. And then but what? Because they kind of given up almost. That was easier. No, no. That, look, you have to understand, um, Charlotte. These people have been doing this for a mm. long time, hundreds of years. Mm. You know, it's about containment. It's a very soulless place. They don't, they don't, they don't mind. You know, either way. And I have to say, look. You know, I see them break men much bigger, stronger than me every day of the week. Let me just say that. There was just something in me where I just kept hold of that last little part of myself. 
you know, I suppose it was trying to cope as well, but I just wouldn't let them take that. I was stubborn. And that was the part that I kept. And in some crazy way, that that's what got me through the madness mm. of it. I was, of course, going to ask you that about how you stay sane, how you pull through. But can I just ask you that, you know, that, that concept of kind of being broken and the authorities trying to break you down, is that... Do you mean in a kind of official capacity or is it just, is it a really corrupt environment? Is it a, is that a game as well? Is that the cat and mouse thing? There's a lot of games in there. I mean, the, 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 the premise of it is that they contain you and you do what you're told. If you're doing that, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. You keep doing what you're told and then that's okay. We'll get you through yeah. and you go out, right? I'm not talking about rehabilitation here, mm -hmm. right? Or anything like that. But there are different like strategies that they work with different people, mm -hmm. you know, and for the high security kind of estate, as they call mm -hmm. it, and category A's and all that, there's a different strategy. Got it. Which means their escape must be made impossible, you know, at all costs. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're treated in a different way. It's all about security. Got Everything it. is security. So, you know, that's very, very soulless, very, very, very empty, mm -hmm. very, and... You know, by the very by the very kind of treatment of them, kind of level of prisoners, it's you know it is it is tantamount to torture, really, in many ways. It has to be said. Mm. Can I ask you about Charles Bronson? Yeah, Charlie Charlie Bronson. I mean, I knew Charlie uh, very well. You know, he even still writes to me now. Charlie, Charlie, they've treated him like a dog. Is he the most dangerous uh, prisoner in? The, in the in the UK system, of course he's not. I've seen people much more dangerous than him. But with the media hype that you know Charlie's kind of surrounded himself with and be been a part of, and how the media has jumped on that, it hasn't done him any favours. Mm -hmm. Because what they really do, and it's worth saying, in the case of Charlie, I mean they've even done it to me in a sense, was they will lose you in that place. You're just a number, right? So when you get someone like Charlie, who's seen as, you know, all this media hype, they can basically do what they want with Charlie. Mm. He hasn't got, you know, he hasn't got anywhere to go though, you know, with that because he's he's kind of made his own bed now to lay in there, mm. which 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 is not the right way. There's a lot of stuff wrong with that, you mm, know. For sure, you obviously talked a bit about how you stayed sane. You hung on to to something. Do you remember? Was there a turning point when you were like, okay, when I get out? we're rehabilitating, we're, you know, this is never happening again. Was that a gradual process or did that, at what point did that sense of, you know, I'm going to change my life come? There's many epiphanies. There's many, there's many lines in the sand, right? Really, everyone asks that question, but you know, it comes to a kind of. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Point for me um, where 
you know, I couldn't go on how bad I felt about things. I knew I was meant to be. I could be so much more. Couldn't keep hurting people, the people around me, you know, the wider, whoever, right? You know, and I couldn't have people who was kind of looking down at me thinking they were spent than me. And I thought, well, no, you know, that's not the deal here, mm. right, actually, right? So, you know, there was something there with that. And, um, but, you know, I remember Millennium Millennium uh, Night, right, 2000, when, when the Millennium mm-hmm. kicked in, I was in, I was in Woodhill Unit. You know, and I was, I had two years left to go. This was built on Marion in the States. It has some of the most dangerous, dangerous people in the system at that time. I was selected to go there. This was at the end of my sentence. But, you know, I spent that time on my knees saying, like, you know what, like these next years, I realized, you know, I had to sort myself out. I had to, I had to get myself back and I had to, you know, I had to sort it out, right? You know, and, um, that was part of the thing because, you know, when people say, oh, you know, you bad, you mad, all that. I, you know, I say, no, that's not, that's not actually the thing. It's, you know, and this is one of the mythologies that is in my new book, The Nine, uh, Nine Laws of Transformation, because what I learned is very simple, but applying it is different is, you know, that you need the circumstance, you need the timing, you know, you need the support, you need the courage, in many instances you need the intervention when all these things come together then you have a chance for meaningful change it's Mm. about head down into the wind and the rain and Mm. baby steps turn into into giant strides Mm. so you know this this was very very apparent for me but this is why if we have three of them for instance but it doesn't work for us. We think, why isn't this working? Why I keep going around in these circles? Because I've learned that, you know, we need, uh, you know, as human beings, we need these elements to come together. Then, you know, that opportunity, you know, we can we can go for the meaningful change from whatever at mm. that point. Um, Was there, is there an expectation when you leave a, I mean, for want of a better word, community like the organised crime community, that you would just leave prison and re-enter that? You know, what, did you almost have to break up with a past life? Look, it's a big thing. It's a good question that you asked there because um, you're very banned into that, obviously, you know, and the life is engineered into you. Everything you was is that really, right? So, you know, how do you change that? But look, with me, I always played by the rules of that life. You know, and the ones who do, you know, they always get the short end of the stick. I mean, I was still a Category A even, you know, I didn't get anything. You don't get anything, right? But when I, when I come out, Charlotte, I wasn't beholden to anyone. I'd paid my debt to everything. You know, I'd done mine and three other people's. So, you know, that mm. was it for me, Keep right? Safe. And, uh, you know, that was the end of it for me. You know, there was a lot of sleeping uh, dogs. Obviously, I let them, you know, lie. This mm. is the past, mm-hmm. right? So that's how it was. You said, you mentioned that you always knew when you were in prison that you could be more, you could do something more, you could be better. All the kind of evidence in your upbringing points to someone who would have quite low self-esteem, right? Where do you think that came from? Where did that self-belief come from? I think for me, you know, I can only speak for myself, that life really beat the you-know-what out of me so much and it needed to that, you know, it forged me, you know, and it can be do or die. But I was a big, big spirit who would would never lay down and roll over anyway. I just mm. wasn't that. So, 
you know, I was really, really pulled to the depth of all of that stuff. You know, I had the addiction problems. I was none off. I had the mental health. I had the criminality. I had all that stuff going on. You know, the 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 crime stuff, the abandonment, the the you know, come from the war zone. I mean, you know, I had all of that stuff, but um. You know, I managed to get through that, of course. And, you know, um, it's in the forging, isn't it? It's in the forging. Do you, do you think it was almost a survivor instinct? Like, if you can look back and be like, right, well, I've come through all of this. Here I am. <sighs> look, we're all, we're all forged as human beings. I'll tell you something that's a little bit kind of um, uh, profound was many, many years ago, at the start of that sentence, in the deepest, darkest place where I was even... And I thought, you know, I mean, how am I going to be after 12 years of this? You know, I don't think I'll ever be able to finish this, right? You know, a little voice kind of came to me and said, um, you have to go through this, right? You know, you say, why would I have to go through this? It's living hell. Of course, it don't answer you because it's mm. that different mm. voice. It's like an instruction. Mm. You know, you think, oh, you know. But looking back with hindsight years later, you know, if you just said to me, Hey, you know, 25 years, you're going to be like, you know, you're going to be a TV personality, you're going to be CEO, you're going to be building companies, you're going to be all over the press, you're going to be making a film when you're like, I would have said, what drugs are you taking? Mm. Right? You know, this is just something I wouldn't have even been able to comprehend. Mm. So, look, you know, I'm not that special. You know, I mean, you know, the work that we do and the tangible stuff that we can do to make things better, I've learned this is what's more lasting and what has more of a value, right, in life, right? And something that lasts and stays, right? Above and beyond us and who we are or who we think we are, right? But the moral of the story is that, that, that look, you know, I'm living history is we can change the trajectory no matter what the, what the trauma or what, what the hand we've, been, we've mm-hmm. been dealt, right? And there's always that next choice. And you can be anything that you really want to be. Mm. Just you have to be a certain way to get to that point, right? So let's, but that's the gems. This is the good stuff, that's, right? That's the good stuff. Let's talk about how you got to that point you're ejected out into the streets 12 years later where do you go where do you start you know can you again it's there's it, that was quite a number of years ago now but can you talk to me about building the foundations of that better life for yourself this is uh, this to me is the important bit of course everyone wants the darkness but you know the brightest stars uh, stars shine in the, in the darkest night you know and you understand light better when you when you when you've seen darkness right this is this is the truth so but the middle bit is quite it's quite important because this is where everyone has a, has a challenge right you know for a myriad of reasons right so for me i kind of you know i realized i had to change absolutely everything people places and things i call it right and it was absolutely everything you know and it's an inside job we know that so you know, I used to go to this church in the East End where they used to, um, you know, they used to look after the homeless there. A lot of the churches in the East End would come together and they'd kind of look after the homeless at Christmas time and it's cold, right, Charlotte? So, you know, I'd, I'd done a lot of voluntary work. I'd done a lot of work with them. I'd, you know, I'd wash the floors, I'd make the beds, I'd cook them down, I'd do, you know, but the main thing I should do with these guys is just talk to them. And it was great, you know, because I had to get my humanity back. And I, you know, didn't have to be anything or, or, or anything like that, you know. And I loved that. That was great, right, you know. And then I, my family had a building company. So, you know, I started with them, groundwork, manual labor, you know, digging in all kinds of weather outside, right? Hard work, right? I didn't get any favors either. You know, they rubbed my nose in it a little bit. 
because you know family but you know I kind of needed that too right you know so I had to I had to, I had to understand the meaning of good honest work as mm. well which I embraced right you know you know but I went from um 70 pound a day laborer to supervisor to uh running my own my own uh plant contracts in the Isle of Wight 25 men to building my own first company 18 months mm. so that was you know when the lights come on like they come on right all right we're going to go for it this mm. is this is this is you know we're going to make the best of it now presumably well I don't want to presume does does continued success keep you on the straight and narrow or were there ever times in those early days where it was tempting to go back to that life of crime? Look, there's a transition, Charlotte. There is. There's no, there's, there really is. You can't go from, you know, 30 years of a life like that mm. to, you know, changing the whole thing, you know, overnight mm. or even a year or even in two years. There is that changing of everything mm. and it's an inside out. But, you know, when I kind of got it, I got it. So, it, you know, any of the teething problems, if you want to call that on the way through. And, of course, people, you know, they try and come back into your life and uh, this, that and the other. But, you know, that was not the thing, right? You know, you know, when you're resolute that, no, you know, that part of me is done, right, this stuff is done, then, you know, that's it. That's how it needs to be. Did you have, obviously, your family gave you that job opportunity. Did you have other people or mentors in your life who helped you? build a new one i um i can remember you know when i was doing that and the other bit you know which is important just to let people know that look you know i didn't have no big pots of money or anything like that i had nothing right you know mm. so when you have nothing and you're in a position like that what do you do right you know so here's some of the answers right and um but you know i can remember you know uh, when i was going to build my first uh, company when i was um you know, it was a refurbishment company. It's way outside, but I wanted to, you know, to go inside, right? So that was the first business, but it was still building, right? But I used to pay men more on my jobs than I was getting paid myself at one point because mm -hmm. I needed them to care about the work when I wasn't there, Charlotte. Mm. So I'd do three days with the family and then three days and then, you know, I used to run home, right? You know, and I remember I had a little flat then and I used to, you know, I'd have half an hour to, you know, have a shower, go out, price up work, or, you know, if I wasn't doing that, I'd be studying, looking at, you know, engineering, anything that I needed, mm. that I needed to know, right, to, you know, at the start, while, while I made that transition, and that's how I'd done it, you know. Did you ever feel victimised by your criminal record? Did it make things difficult, renting apartments, bank accounts? Look, it does, there's no question, this is uh, tough for people, right? And it's another thing that doesn't really help them right on the way through. You know, I had, to, I had to find my way through that. One of the things I'd done was, you know, I went to London School of Business, I got, I got a degree, you know, you know, come out of that with honours. I was one of, the, one of the top three people, I like to come out of that. So, you know, I was a mature student by that time. Mm. You know, they was uh, teaching people how to get hired. I was already building, mm. you know, I had a different journey, right? But, you know, I'd done that, things I've wanted to do before, and I thought, oh, you know, only if just I had had a chance to do some of this stuff, right, mm -hmm. you know? So I went and done this stuff right after, you know, and then I started speaking, you know, motivational speaker, right, you know, um, on my story, met some people, other people, started getting into the media, wrote some documentaries, right, you know, I started there, that's what started me in the TV and the film game. And, you know, I went on from there. You know, I met the wonderful Daphne, uh, and my partner now. 
co-found everything else. You know, we uh, then we built uh, Raw Media Creative. You know, and we've really, really gone on from there. And there's a lot of lot of stuff on the end of that, which has been really positive. You know, and we keep working at that, of course. You're obviously very good at discussing your personal experiences emotions, trauma, which stereotypically men are not very good at. Is that something that you've always been good at? Have you learned to do it? Or has it been an essential part of the of the process? I wouldn't say it's been an essential part of the process. I say we all, you know, we have to grow into our man, as it were, in a sense. Like you have to grow into your woman, right? I think this is fair to say. Mm-hmm. There is a you know, there is a navigation, you know, uh, towards the best of ourselves, you know, and experience is definitely the best teacher. Mm. You know, I've learned that too. But the people around us, people, places and things that feed who we become and who we need to become mm. are absolutely pivotal. I mean, I always say, you know, I always say, Charlotte, look, life doesn't give us what we want. It gives us what we become. Mm. And it does. Mm. It really does, you know. You know, I promise you, of course, we have the choice of that, mm. what we what we choose to become. But that, that that's a big part of it. You obviously have a very strong kind of inner compass pointing you, a strong inner voice. What are some of the biggest things you've learned along the way? The kind of the life lessons, whether you, whether it is everything you've touched on so far or anything else, what, what are the biggest life lessons that you think you've been taught thus far? I think you have to be very, very careful of the people, you know, around you in your life. You know, that this this is everything. If it's not really good, you're better off being alone. I've learned that, right? You know, this is an easy one. Mm. But, you know, you have to position yourself for greatness too, you know, Charlotte, you know. Everyone kind of waits for this, oh, it's going to get better or I'm going to play safe or I'm going to wait, you know. You know I'm going to have this great opportunity and oh, it's all going to ch- uh, spin in its axis. Life is not like that, you know. It's you need to position yourself for greatness, you know, which is, you know, and then greatness will come behind you. You know, you have to become um, comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, progressing in life, you know, and achieving stuff means uh, pushing yourself all the time. It really does translate as being comfortable with being uncomfortable. We're not uh, good at that. We're not good at that. We want to do the opposite. You know, our biological uh, wiring, right, you know, you know, and the neuroscience that we have goes against that. Oh, watch yourself. Oh, take it easy. Oh, you're doing too much. Oh, you you know, it's this, it's this. um, But, you know, you have to embrace the unknown in a right way. And if you see opportunity, you know, uh, dive into it. Don't, you know, uh, work it out after. You know, too many people wait. And of course, the most the most valuable commodity uh, we have is not money or it's time because we don't get to get that back. Mm. What's the best advice you've had along the way? Best advice I've had along the way? Always do the next right thing no matter how hard that is mm. and always be open to learn no matter how high you elevate you know mm. always always be coachable you know always be be open mm. you know for the good stuff and don't bat away the good stuff mm. even you know someone mm. someone very wise said that to me Stephen don't bat away you know the good stuff because mm. sometimes we even have a way you know as human beings of of doing that 
which doesn't make any sense, mm. right? But we do. Mm. So you know, not to not to bat away the good stuff. You know that um, we're being presented with as well. Enjoy it. What what are you up to now? You're doing the motivational speaking. You've got your production company. What else? Tell us a bit about your work. Yeah, I've got I've got a tour which which is coming up. Um, first event, second of September, Kingston, London. Uh, 600 people there there's still some tickets but they're going really really fast I mean god I'm on you know I'm on Sky as well prime time on the 20 24th in the morning in the studio there as well so there's lots of media all the time going out all the time I mean there has been for for years with me Charlotte but there's another you know another big burst of media I've got the new book coming out as well you know I've got a two book deal with that so it's um the nine laws of transformation and look i have to say about this book i'm really really excited and privileged because it's took me all this time really at this point in my life to be at the place where i am of experience you know skill set all of that stuff to be able to actually do a book like that justice and it's kind of in the vein like you know um uh the 48 laws of power or any like, like so it's in the vein of them kind mm-hmm. of books right there's a lot of good stuff in there, right? You know, and I'm very, I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to have the life and authority behind me, very uniquely so, mm. to have been able to woven something in there that's very tangible and proven, mm. and actually gets results. I mean, uh, my personal brand, I have uh, stephengillan.com. I have the resilience code, so that's subscription model. Uh, academy coaching all of that stuff that I do so you know I I, you know we're really rapidly changing people's lives all over the world and really I kid you not right you know some of the people in there they're like they're just coming on so so quick their businesses everything that they're doing it's just spinning on an axis this this makes my heart uh, Mm -hmm. smile so uh, we've got raw media creative of course you know we do uh, uh, short form, long form content in there, you know, I think we've got about eight, haven't we, uh, TV series, right, you know, that we've developed mm. proper episodic stuff, um, which which we're putting through, you know, so we work uh, closely with, you know, some uh, uh, studios, influential people, we have done for a while now around the world in that, in content creation. We're very skilled brand experts in there, all right, you know, so we're really adding a, a lot of value to a lot of people. A lot of our brands are international that we work with. Of course, I do a lot of TV work. I was on um, uh, one of the last ones I done was was uh, Essex Murders, uh, Prime Prime uh, Sky series just released. You know, as one of the faces of the of the market in our Gangs in London season yeah. season two. Um, yeah, so, so you're a busy guy. Yeah, yeah, and we, yeah. So I just, I do my, you know, I do my, uh, do my best, Charlotte. You know, and I really, I keep my feet on the ground. I don't, you know, I don't let my head get turned. I'm always looking to develop, you know, further. You know, now it's about audiences, bigger audiences. We're doing a lot of other stuff and really, really developing uh, that to see where that goes. So we can, we can, we can add a lot of value there. I'm really, I'm really excited about this next part of what of what is possible for us. What motivates you for this next chapter? I think the people around me in my life, 
you know, the wonderful people around me. <laughs> you know, I say sometimes, it'd be, you know, they're a lot more wonderful than I would ever be. No, seriously, right? You know, I've, 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 you know, I've worked at that too. You know, I'm very privileged to have populated my life with, you know, some really, really special people. I think this, this is the biggest gift that we we can develop as human beings. I have to say that. Uh, it takes a dream team, of course, to you know to do anything that you know that really, really changes so much. Um, and I, I, um, I just uh, changing people's lives, you know, and in that act, of, of course, I change my own and my children's and everyone else behind me is really, really the way of it. But it does work in that way. So you know, and I'm very. You know, I'm very big, obviously, in just um, trying to trying to be the best that I can be. I really am, you know. So that that that's a that's a big driver for me to just keep me going, right? You know, on to the next thing, you know. And a lot of gratitude. I always always have a lot of a lot of gratitude. I'm sure this is very very important, you know. I agree. If you could change anything, if you could go back and change any of it, would you? <laughs> I have regrets, you know, I have regrets. I had to be in that deep, dark uh, dungeon and be tortured like that. You know, I have regrets that other people would have to have, you know, suffered in some way by some of the things that I would have done by not being the best that I could have been at that time. No excuses, right? Of course I would change that. But it's a funny one because we all have our gift and, um, you know, as I said, life uh, gives us what we become. Mm. You know, and, you know, it kind of forges us. So all the journey is relevant for all of us. Mm. You know, we just have to be looking at what can I do and be better at tomorrow that I wasn't so good at today, and, you know, and keep doing that and keep it simple, you know. Love that. Stephen, thank you so much. Your new book called... Nine Laws of Transformation. Is out. It's going to be out towards the end of the year. You know, you're going to make sure we get that right. It's, you know, it's nearly finished now but yeah yeah thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me it's been great thank you thank you thank you so much for listening for any feedback please do email podcast at sharelux.com don't forget to rate review subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time bye bye hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.